ladies and gentlemen. It's Mingry Nation Podcast. Welcome to it. Um, not usual, I guess usual for basketball season, you know, we have Mr. Greg Godecker. He is here and he's ready and he's going to talk to you. Greg, how you doing? I'm doing good, sir. How are you? I'm good. Family's good. Uh, it's cold up here in the Middle West, you know, I mentioned this before, they give everybody's Sort of familiar, but every once in a while somebody will message me like, hey, are you, aren't you in San Antonio still? Uh, no, I'm not. I'm in the Midwest, and it's 30 degrees outside right now. The high today was 36. And uh, you can tell I turned into a Midwesterner because I hopped in a car to go to the store today. I was like, oh, I got to get some groceries, you know, a little, some more fruits and vegetables, that kind of thing, try to stay healthy. And uh, there's a little flurry, snow flurry. And once upon a time, you know, being from South Texas, as I am, I might have like, you know, oh, man, it's snowing. Hey, Mom, Grandma, look at the snow. But no, nah, I didn't even think anything of it. <laughs> uh, and then, you know, until later, I was like, yeah, oh, I guess it did flurry a little bit today. So there you go. I'm just regular. It's cold Minnesota. down here. It's cold down here in South Texas, too. No? Just not quite as cold. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's all kind of relative, I guess. Uh, but I've seen snow twice this week, a little light snow, <laughs> you know. like but It was like powder on the ground. It stuck and all that kind of stuff. And instead of instead of being filled with a sense of wonder as I might one have once have been, I was just thinking, oh, I gotta make sure, uh, you know, I like <laughs> fix some pipes outside. Make sure, <laughs> I mean, like it stays, <laughs> stays warm in here. Just thinking about all the things I got to do in life. You're just setting the mood for the holiday season. There you go. There you go. Um, and it's good, you know. Basketball is a winter sport, right? It was invented as a winter sport. It's like you can't run outside, but come inside, let's do something inside. Uh, you know, uh, which it's kind of funny because everybody calls like soccer like not a not a tough sport, but then boys are over there playing soccer in, in the winter in, in England. You know what I mean? Where it's cold, it's, yeah, they're crazy out there. Um, all right, so it's basketball season. North Texas basketball has already played two games. Um, you know, it's a it's I'll say it's a pivotal season. Every season feels pivotal, but I think it's uh, there's something to it, right? Because North Texas. Obviously, it's been, what is it, like seven years now? Grant's been there. How long has he been there now? Five. He has been there since, what was that, the 2018-19 season? Has it been that short of a time? Yeah, okay. So so only like the, the five years. There you go. So to me, it feels like it's like rotating out, right? There's no Zach Simmons. He's obviously gone. No Thomas Bell. There's few and fewer guys that are around for like that, like the CBI tournament. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. they were part of like building it up. And that's good and bad, right? You know, because, like, I think part of the, the selling point is, like, we're going to establish a winning culture here. And once we establish that, new guys are going to come and they want to be part of it. But the problem with that is that those guys, new guys coming in, maybe they're better. Grant says they're quality guys, right? Um, is that they're, they haven't necessarily been a part of it, right? They, they, they weren't there. They didn't have to go up against current NBA player Charles Bassey. Um, you know, and win win a tough game in the uh, in the conference tournament in overtime. They didn't have to have big shots against Purdue, not necessarily, right? Uh, Abu right. Usman was on that team, uh, and so you know, you kind of like can they keep the culture, and then can they also uh, you know incorporate new guys, right? Can you keep winning but with new guys? That's always the question in college basketball, and that's the question that Grant McGaslin's presented with this season. 
Is that about right? Is that about sum it up? You think? Yeah, I think that's that's probably a pretty good summary. So, uh, all right. Obviously, we played two games, and uh, they've been less than impressive, right? Uh, <laughs> a uh, I, was, I was watching the, a little bit of that game against Southern Nazarene, uh, and it seems like everybody's struggling. Everybody from the, the TV guy, the the broad, you know, the audio guy. <laughs> yeah, I bet you the popcorn was burnt too. You know what I mean? <laughs> On that day, it's just one of those kinds of days. Um, no, the popcorn guy was on his game. <laughs> was he? <laughs> He's mm-hmm. killing it. So you guys may not have it, but I'm I'm ready. Perfect temperature. Um, so a little bit of a struggle there. You know, Tyler Perry's yet to play. Ruben Jones yet to play. We knew we figured Ruben Jones is going to be a slow, you know, a slow re-entrance into the season because of his like off-season surgery. Tyler Perry was yeah. a little bit of a surprise. I think we're all like, was that? Did he get a a little ankle sprain that happened. It's happened recently. They're being precautious. Uh, yeah, Vito came out today. Today is Wednesday. Um, mm-hmm. And he said that he had a knee injury and was day-to-day. Mm-hmm. And and so that's what's kept him out of the past two games. Um, mm-hmm. So obviously it's got to be some type of knee sprain. Yeah. Probably um, tweaked it. He did play in the scrimmage back in late October against Mississippi State. They yeah. scrimmaged against um, the new coach there, Jans, um, and um, a former UNT assistant, James Miller. Um, and so Tyler Perry was one of the stars of the scrimmage, according to um, Mr. Goldman, the um, good college basketball analyst. Yeah. So uh, obviously, I mean, it, I you said, know, he's. I think his quote was just like, he was just a star, right? I think he just hit big shot. He was a standout or something, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I don't know if he tweaked it there or is it practice or what. I mean, the rumors were that it was an ankle thing. I think, you know, most of the people, like, I heard from a guy who heard from a guy who clean, picks up the towels or something like that or, like, you know, he's holding his ankle. Uh, but if it's a knee thing, I mean, all of this, you can lose, like, three games right now and still get the tournament. Um, obviously, it would be nice to win some resume points and, uh, you know, like, get into the tournament buy a resume, have that in your back pocket. But at this level, it's pretty much always the case that you win the conference tournament and you're in. And that should be the goal, right? Like, you know, everything, obviously. Yeah, that's that's the goal. But I I think that the question that, you know, might be happening amongst UNT fans is like, where are we at as a program? Are we Mm -hmm. at the point where, you know, it's still that, you know, we got to win the conference championship and, you know, that's obviously the number one goal, but that non-conference schedule, can we be good enough to, you know, possibly be somebody that gets an at-large bid? Can we, can we have some highlight wins in that non-conference? So it's like, where, where are we at as a program? What's our, you know, what's our resume going to look like going into conference? Unlike say like football, where I think that kind of stuff is a little bit more important. It's kind of weird. It's kind of counterintuitive. Like, obviously, if you do that basketball, you can get a higher seed. You can get right. into the tournament, that kind of thing. But I think for football, like, a lot of perception fuels the reality sometimes. You know what I mean? Uh, I think college basketball, you get you kind of know a little bit more who's good. And then you just you put them all in a big pot, right, at the end of the, tur- at the, end of the year and say, all right, everybody goes play. You go see what happens. And, I mean – I think North Texas is at that point. They probably you can probably have made the case that North Texas could have got in last year, 
into the tournament. They would have been deserving. Um, but I think that a lot of it is like, well, they didn't really do anything in the regular season that stood out. They sort of gelled a little bit later. And their their nicest stretch of the schedule was against some of the weakest part of Conference USA, right? So you're like, all right, you know, whatever. I, I don't think there's – I don't think the fans – you know, the, the question is, like, is North Texas basketball in a good spot? Yes, it is. I think it is. That's the short answer there. Um, in this season, you know, are they where they want to be? Obviously, no. They've struggled. They uh, they had the flu. And, I mean, is that an excuse? Yeah, a little bit. It does affect you. Whatever. I think I think we didn't learn anything about North Texas in that one. That was, that was not North Texas' best. Um, one, you got, what, Martinez, Jaden Martinez, Kai Huntsbury, Tyree Eady, all three new guys that are expected to be a big part of the the team, gelling and then asked to be in roles that they're not really expected or weren't asked to be, and it was not the plan. You know, it's like, all right, we got we got three new dudes are they're going to be at the you know three and four, and then we asked them to play one, two, and three a little bit. You know, I'm sort of yeah. Well, I mean, we we don't know what what was asked of them going into the regular season. I mean, what was their plan? I, it seems like you know they they're expecting a lot from from Edie mm-hmm. um, in the starting lineup. They obviously went to him a lot early in, in the St. Mary's game, and he's just kind of struggled. I think he struggled the most to find himself in the offense. Um, it's not that he's not a good player. I mean, both Edie and Martinez were standouts at Division One schools. You know, North Dakota, um, and then you had Jaden or uh, Martinez from. New Hampshire, they're both double digits. They both shot the ball, shot the ball very well. Um, so here it is. We thought we had two really good offensive players coming in to help. Um, you thought probably we'd take a step back defensively this year, um, but be better offensively. And it just really hasn't worked out that way. And I, I, it, you can't really say that you you know where North Texas is after the first two games because you don't have your two best players on the court. And those two best players are your primary ball handlers, right? So that's going to affect some things. But you you can still judge, I think, individual performances. Um, and that's what, you know, I've tried to do when I look at the team. Because, you you know, it, it's going to take them time to gel. Because it's, it's different. It's different at North Texas. You're asked to do things a lot differently than you might at, you know, wherever they came from or at a, at a different school. You know, defense is the priority. And offense is kind of secondary, and we've seen that early in the first couple games. Yeah, I think what what stood out to me is that there's still the effort defensively, right? And I think the defense has been, I don't want to say solid, but it's been there. Like, I mean, I can see everybody moving in, in concert. They're trying to do stuff. The offense has been very, very bad. Like, it seems like North Texas is, is uh, uh, hesitant. They're uh, thinking too much, right? Nobody's moving into the next action really easily. Uh, the only guy that looked good when that was against Division Two was uh, Abu Usman. I think uh, Huntsbury was kind of hitting shots. He was the only guy that got 20. Other guy that got 20 in that game. Against St. Mary's, everybody looked terrible. But if you're like, well, everybody had the flu. Okay, whatever. I mean, it. Not I thought the flu meant you played better in basketball. I just, you know, everybody associates the flu game with MJ and playing. Well, he said it wasn't the flu game. That was, uh, uh, he said the food poisoning game, really. But, you know, everybody thought. Oh, yeah, yeah, in, yeah. in this documentary. So, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's, look, you, you, you didn't play well against in your first game. Then you don't get to practice. 
and then you come out and you know you play St. Mary's is a top twenty-five team. Like they they just are. Um, they, maybe they don't beat Gonzaga again this year, but I mean, some people have had them as a sleeper Final Four team, right? Yeah. And you saw that. You saw that against against us. While we played well defensively, like you said at times, they still executed their offense extremely well mm-hmm. at a high efficiency. And you know, for for as bad as we played defensively, we still only gave up sixty three points to that team. And so if you felt like, well, maybe if there's a Tyler Perry there, if there's a Ruben Jones, you know, maybe we get a little bit closer to St. Mary's on their home court. So, I mean, there has been positives. I think the defense with these new guys is a little bit further along than we probably thought it would be. Whereas the offense, not there, but again, like, you know, the offense underneath McCaslin has never been, at times, okay, I'll say this, because if you go back and you look at some of the, the earlier years, the efficiency, the, the COVID year, the efficiency of that offense was extremely high. and But that was because they made shots, right? Yeah. So it, it's like this offense works with a very small margin of error. And when you don't have guys creating at the end of the shot clock and then making those shots or making plays at the end of a shot clock, then you're going to struggle because, look, you don't have JV on Hamlet to break down a defense and, and shoot a floater. You don't have Driz, you know, to hit a three. You don't have Gibson to hit a three. You don't have Reese to hit a three. You don't have those guys. It doesn't mean that we don't have bad or we don't have good players, but they're just really not there yet. And, again, how do you judge a team that really doesn't have the point guard on the floor? Because I think we can both agree that, you know, Huntsbury has been taking all those, you know, the majority of the reps as the one, as the point guard, but he's not really a point guard. He's more like a, a shooting guard, a scoring guard in this offense. So if they had somebody that was a point guard that could create, like Ruben, like Tyler, you know, possibly it's going to make the it's going to make scoring easier for guys like Martinez, for Ed, for Huntsbury, and uh, probably for Usman as well, too. Yeah, I, I think uh, um, for people who don't know, right, maybe your basketball knowledge, I don't, I don't know, we don't assume it, right? So we're, we might be talking down to you, um, but also maybe we're telling, we're thinking about, we're telling some people that, that are unfamiliar, right? That a ball handling role, right? Typically we call that a point guard, right? Number one. A lot of guys can do the ball handling, like bring the ball up the floor. It's seemingly pretty easy, right? You just, I'll be the guy that dribbles it up the floor. But smart teams, will identify a weak ball handler. And so they think, you know what, this dude can't bring the ball up court. With a little pressure, we can take the ball from him, and they'll go press him. And then you, the ball, it's turnover, turnover, you know, whatever. So that's a vulnerability. So it's, it's a job. You need somebody to do that, right? Ruben Jones can handle the ball. Tyler Perry can handle the ball. Uh, I think they expected, like, you know, like I said, uh, Huntsbury to be another ball handler. But in spot play, right, like it may be three minutes, four minutes a game, you know what I mean? Like spread out over the game, be the primary ball handler, or do some of that while while either you put Perry off the ball to kind of change up the look, just change up the strategy, or you know, just give him a break or something like that. Uh, but it's not necessarily something they want him to do for 35, 40 minutes a game uh, because then you're you're losing a little bit of his value, right? We the idea is to have you know, like if you remember last year, uh, we had our primary ball handler bring the ball up. And North Texas would run a lot of plays. You know, um, Perry would pass the ball, maybe make a cut. We had Drez running off some screens 
looking for an open three, right? He'd come off that. Uh, if Huntsbury is bringing the ball up, he can't be running off screens to go get open for a three because he, you know, he's bringing the ball up. He's initiating the offense, and it, it it changes everything, right? Now you have like, okay, Matt Stone, are you gonna shoot the three? He's not shot. The, I don't think he scored. Has he scored in two games? Uh, well, he's zero for twelve. No. In his career, in his career, he's zero for twelve from the three point line. No. I think the only time he scored was last year. He scored like two points a layup. Yeah. So no, he he has not has not made a shot this year. Yeah, and so I mean, what North Texas does, and that's like changed everything, right? Because like Matt Stone was not really expected to get a lot of time. Definitely not as a like, and everybody bumped up a notch. Our primary, not only is Perry out, right, ball, primary ball handler, but he's a primary scorer. Right, he's the guy supposed to be doing a lot of scoring, so he's out. So then everybody that was expected to do some scoring gets bumped up, and I think that's meant that we're like, all right, Sheed Brown, Matt Stone, let's see what kind of scoring you can give us. And the answer has been not much, guys. You know, and no, <laughs> yeah. And I so, think Brown <laughs> Brown had a layup. Yeah, I, I think. Or I did he have an assist? I, I saw. Yeah, that, I mean, it, 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 it really, yeah, yeah it, it it really doesn't matter. So it's, it's just like. You know, we talk about the offense, you know, it, it struggled early on. And it's, you know, Huntsbury is a ball handler, but can he create for his teammates or can he just create for himself, mm-hmm. right? And I think that's where the struggle has been because he can create for himself, but he's not creating for his teammates. That's not a knock on him, but that's just not a part of his game. And you saw it really in Saint Mary, in the St. Mary's game. You know, he, he got in the lane. He took a contested shot, but in the corner, he had Martinez open for a three. And, you know, Grant got upset at him and was yelling at him. And it was pretty obvious because that was the case. Like, hey, kick the ball out. Your teammates out here, you know, get them the open look. And this team has not had a lot of assists in this first game. And, and yes, I get it. They're not making shots. That's, that's a huge part of an assist. But they're not getting good looks for each other. There's not a lot of breakdown of the defense. There's not a lot of ball movement. There's a lot of, you know, Huntsbury that's dribbling, and that's about it. And, and so that's going to make – that's not – your offense is not going to flow well if you got one guy that's dribbling and the ball's not moving. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, so I, I think we haven't seen what we expect North Texas to be. And, like, I'm crossing my fingers, knock on wood, and I don't know, kick a cat or something. I don't know what other superstitions that you got, but I'll do them. Um, is that we need Tyler Perry back. <laughs> he's, he's, uh, everybody calls basketball is pretty thin. No, there's only a few teams that can lose their number one score and be okay. Even, you know, and even then they're going to be strongly affected. And, uh, I, I think everybody expect, we expected Ruben Jones to take another leap in his, in his, uh, development. Like he's a talented ball handler. He's tall. He can guard like one through four. Um, he was also expected to be a stopper. Now, you know, we don't have, uh, I can't think of his name. J.J. Murray. J- yeah, J.J. Murray. And uh, he was, you know, they, they talked him up and talked about how he, was, he would guard the head of the snake. He would stop their primary ball handler, the opposition's primary ball handler. But Ruben Jones did a great job against Kobe Williams in the Louisiana Tech game. And, you know, North Texas lost that game, but Louisiana Tech scored, I don't know, like 40 points, whatever it was. It was not a whole lot. We 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 didn't score. That was our, our big problem. We couldn't score. Um, that Ruben Jones is a great defender, right? You think about maybe I, I don't know if he's a stop St. Mary's, 
But it would have been great to have his length and his ability to guard one-on-one, guard the ball, uh, to be out there. We're missing a lot of pieces. Yeah. It's a stopper, ball handler, a scorer, and a spot-up shooter, right? Two spot-up shooters, ready? Right? All in just two people. And uh, so we don't know. We don't know so far. I think North Texas is still going to be good, assuming we get everybody back. Definitely got to get Tyler Perry back. Uh, I still think we'll see a lot of what we saw last year just coming from different guys. It, you, we had, we talked about this before, right? That the the North Texas team with Javion Hamlet was different of, uh, than the North Texas team with Tyler Perry. Like Tyler Perry did, he did some of the clutch scoring, but he didn't do the same kind of scoring that Javion Hamlet did. Like Javion Hamlet would do a little bit more mid range game, pull up game, get into the lane, get deep into the lane, get some floaters, draw some fouls. Also make other like you know get get the ball to other players. Some of that stuff went to to uh, Thomas Bell. Spazio would post him up, let him do some of that. Um, some of that stuff went to Tyler Perry, obviously. And then everybody, you know, you have to somebody has to score. It's spread out a little bit differently. North Texas is very good, and you said very efficient in getting buckets. A lot of that was drawing fouls, scoring when it mattered, uh, and it's credit to a lot of different guys. I think this team, we are still going to see how they figured out who was going to do the what. Right? Um, I don't know right. what, what happens so far. I don't think we, we've learned anything in these two games. Other than, like you said, some no. performances were up and some were down. Yeah, I mean, like if, if I had to assume, I mean, I think Ruben's going to be the primary ball handler and the initiator of the offense. And, uh, you know, like you said, you want to see that growth. So I think that's where his growth comes into play is getting downhill. Like, I think he's the one guy that can put his head down and really get to the basket. Tyler can get to the basket too, but I mean, like really get downhill is um, something that I'm expecting for Ruben and creating for other people. And then the other guys, like I said, that I think will benefit from these two returning are, um, because I think it's going to get him better shots. Just take some pressure off of him to be able to, he won't have to create for himself. Those guys will create for him. Same thing with Martinez. I think he can do a little bit of everything scoring. I think he can, he can, he showed in the last game against St. Mary's, he can take somebody off the dribble and he can shoot threes fairly well. So there you go. So you got those two guys scoring. Um, And then for Huntsbury, I, you know, we haven't, we haven't been able to see how well of a spot-up shooter he is, right? So his role, you're saying, okay, well, that's, that's Drez from last year. But where does he differ from Drez is because we've already seen it in these first two games. He's a guy that can actually get into the paint and score. Drez didn't do a lot of driving. Um, he didn't have to because he had other guys that did it for him. But Huntsbury, you know, he just offers you a little bit something different. So... You know, we've been dependent on, you know, maybe one or two guys to do a lot of the scoring in the years past where what I was hoping for to see this year was more balanced across across everything, um, you know, having four or five different scores. And I wanted to see it, you know, easier for Perry to get shots, you know, where the defense, you know, just can't lock, you know, we just, they just don't lock down on him and hedge hard on him when he goes into pick and rolls or, or screens but we're actually trying to set up a play where he's scoring off the ball, where he's coming off of a screen at the top of the key, gets the ball and, and hits a shot. 
So that's that's kind of what we're hoping for, or at least I'm hoping for to see offensively. I you know I think the talent the talent is there. They have enough talent to compete in Conference USA, um, to be up there, to be a championship contender. It's just how long does it take for this team to gel? Because you know you don't know when you're going to get Ruben back. Or in the speculation, hopefully by the time they get to play in the Bahamas, um, and you don't know. You know when Tyler Perry is going to be back. Hopefully he'll be back this week. But I mean, there's no reason for him to. You know, if it's a knee injury, you don't want to rush those type of things because you're going to need him mm-hmm. throughout the season, and it's going to be a long, tough Conference USA schedule because there's there's less teams, but there's a lot more quality teams in this league, and a lot of teams got better. Yeah, just a note about Conference USA. So Southern Miss, one of the worst teams in the league, is gone. They're in the Sun Belt now. Marshall. Uh, always kind of talented, just kind of, you know, they had some some squads out there, but they were very bad the last two, three seasons. They're gone. Old Dominion, another team that used to be very good, very tough, you know, they real physical, uh, but also another bad team. Like, they were not winning a lot. They're gone. Um, and just starting from, I guess, sort of the bottom, like UTSA, they're probably a win, right? You know, they, they're very bad. They don't have a lot of talent. They're they got the Germany kid, but I don't know. They got some transfers in there. I don't. I didn't really see too much hype about those dudes. Um, Rice is always interesting, and I think they're a little healthy. But they, they're bad. <laughs> I mean, they're bad, but, the, but it's one of those things. That you go to Houston. It seems like traveling to Houston takes some people out of the other things. They always surprise people over there because they like to play fast and they shoot. They have that center they can pass. Uh, I forget mm. his name right now. They didn't really surprise Middle Tennessee. <laughs> well, I was going to bring them up. Middle Tennessee turned into a good team, like almost a great team. And if you're like, oh, man, UAB, which we think got better, uh, you know, they got Eric Gaines from LSU out there. They're so fast. I was watching Gaines just fly up the court. That dude's fast. Middle Tennessee is scary. They had UAB beat in the conference tournament. They did? Yeah. They had a great plan for them that uh, – what's his name? Um uh, Leonard, I think his name is Tfail Leonard. Yeah, the- yeah, that dude can he can defend. He's ridiculous. Cameron Weston is a good scorer. They have DeAndre Dishman, the six six, big, two hundred thirty five pound dude inside. That dude's good. Just a lot of quality stuff. And then he talks about how he wants to get, you know, he wants to press more and run up and down the court. They're, they they're remind me of um, obviously not as good, but some of those Calipari teams yeah. when he was at memphis yeah just i mean long athletic type of dudes and so yeah when you say they're scary they're scary for that reason i mean they're they have some serious length they have athleticism um and they can score and they're gonna make it uncomfortable for you yeah i think so uh you know i, I do the cusa reports so i interviewed the coach right I interviewed mcdevitt after the game they didn't want to talk to anybody everybody's real sad he's crying um, but you know, he was talking, I was, we we're talking basketball and then he was like, yeah, like we basically did, they did everything we asked them to do. And I was talking about some of the young guys and he was like, yeah, that's, that's what excites me about next year. I think they grew up and you know, like they were unafraid in that conference tournament in that moment, they were ready to play. No fear. He had some real young guys, but and so like, he says, if you play a lot and you're a freshman, we expect you to play like juniors now. And then, you know, like freshmen become sophomores, but freshmen who played a lot, we expect you to be like juniors. And so I think middle's not going to be surprising anybody anymore, but I don't think anybody could do anything about it. That's that's kind of the scary part. Um, yeah, middle's good. We, you know, Conference USA got a great win from FAU the other night. They beat Florida at Florida. 
Yeah, that was another thing about FAU that you know I was doing the like the preseason review and like FAU sort of disappointed last year, but I looked at their roster. Everybody that was there basically came back. Uh, they have uh, that dude uh, Michael Forrest, who I feel like has been there for twelve years. Also, <laughs> uh, one, two, three, four. Yeah, this is fifth year. This guy, he's been there forever. And I thought the thing about FAU last year is that they're good. They would they gave. Nobody really remembers it, but they gave like West Kentucky a couple runs. They gave North Texas a little scare. We needed like a, a you know, some excellent possessions down the stretch. Didn't they, they didn't they beat UAB last year? Uh, yeah, I don't remember. Check. I thought they uh, they basically had they lost to UAB. No, they didn't beat UAB. No, I thought they beat somebody at home. They beat Old Dominion. They beat Western Kentucky, but Western That's Kentucky right. started out Western. real slow. Yeah. So when it when they lost to us, right? They they lost to North Texas, fifty four fifty one. They had like three shots, three chances to win the game, and they just they didn't come up with the shots. But they brought everybody back. I think they grew up, and you know everybody was like, they have a lot of experience. They're gonna be pretty good. They're ranked pretty highly by Ken Palm, you know, coming into the season, and I think you can see why they're like ranked seventy eight. We're like we were ranked sixty six. We dropped a little bit uh, since we got yeah. Blown. We're ranked seventy seven now. I think yeah. So, so they're 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 right behind us. Um, obviously, everybody knew UAB. Yeah. Uh, Western was a team that really disappointed last year, and of course, Stansberry went out just reloaded. He got dudes again. Yeah, they always have dudes. Davion McKnight is a scary guy. They brought back Jordan Rawls. He went to Georgia State, came back. Um, they was this Emmanuel Acott. They got Luke Frampton still. Jamarian Sharp, seven five center. You know that dude. Uh, yeah. I think th- the big thing about them is, like, there's a lot of the same dudes that you might remember, um, but they are deeper. Because they, they had to pull some dude from, like, the uh, from like the graduate assistant. They're like, I know you thought you retired, but you're coming out of retirement because <laughs> we need a six-man guy because we got nobody out here. So they're, they're a lot better. Western's back, right? It's like UAB, Western, FAU's up there, Middle's up there. Louisiana Tech, I think they're always a little scary. They got a lot of the same guys. Uh, Kobe Williams is back. They got Isaiah Crawford, you know, six six dude. I call yeah, him. Like he didn't, didn't play last year, and that name, probably yeah. impacted them a lot. But still, I, I you know I don't know if they're. I think they're somebody that could upset a team, but I don't know if they're a, a conference contender. Yeah, they uh, they just couldn't shoot. I think again in the in the the title game. It's like Keeson Willis is miss, missing a ton, even though he was making everything against North Texas. I think if there's like sort of easy wins, I think Charlotte's maybe a weak team. They have like a glaring hole. They have that big center, Ali Khalifa, but he can't really move his feet. That's I'm like, all right. UTEP, <laughs> they're like a complete unknown because they just, they lost every, everybody you remember on UTEP, they're gone. <laughs> was it Suli Boom? Gone. Yeah. Uh, Jamal Biennemi? Gone. Keontae Kennedy? Gone. I saw I saw him play for Memphis the other day. Uh, they uh, though, but you know, in their first game against Texas, again, you know, we we don't know this early in the season. We're seeing these trends where, you know, er, you know, everybody's kind of struggling with with everybody. Yeah. But they played Texas tough. Um, Texas opened their new basketball arena, the Moody Center, and they were right there with them until really like the last maybe. 10, 7, 10 minutes of the game, they kind of got pushed away. So they had, they definitely had some athleticism. Um, I know one of their, their good Juco guys got like hurt within like the first minute of the game, but I haven't looked up to see if he 
is still injured, if that was a season-ending injury, hopefully not. But, you know, again, they have one of the better coaches in Conference USA. You can't really argue with, with how good of a coach Joe Golding is. Yeah. It's so weird that Middle and Rice decided to play a conference game in November. On November did 15th. they decide or did – like how – you know, you got a lot of – sources in conference usa right can you call judy up and be like what exactly was the thought process behind this november game hey lady look at me what are you thinking i have no idea what they're thinking um maybe they just couldn't schedule somebody and they're just like we'll just play we'll, we'll just play you um <laughs> <laughs> that's probably what it is and then like so fiu is going to want to run again i think that's the deal about them is that they're they're like all right we we had covid injuries i think they had like a week where nobody could practice last year um so you might not remember, but FIU was like breakneck pace that their first year uh, under was it Ballard? Is that his name right, Jeremy Ballard? Um, um, you being, you know, average conference USA uh, watcher, and uh, I mean, so you know, they might make some noise. the The point is, it's it's all to illustrate Greg's point that everybody's a little bit better. They all improve. I think North Texas is still good, but. There's at least, like I said, there's at least three, three games, three teams that you're not going to pick up easy wins against. Um, I think UTSA is probably, I don't say, relatively easy win. You still got to go win it, but you know they're going to give you a lot more room for error. I talk about that in the football. Which which team's going to give you room <laughs> for error, right? UTSA will give you room. Rice will give you room. FIU maybe, and then you start saying Charlotte. Yeah, probably they'll give you some room, but you know, UTEP they'll play you tough. Middle Tennessee, you got no room. They got you know long arms everywhere. UAB, too much talent. You, you got to you gotta be ready to play in this one, in this league, this season. It's going to be a tough one. Yeah. It is. I know everybody's kind of, you know, talking conference USA up about potentially having a two-bed league. I don't, I don't really see it. I think there's going to be too much parity in the league. And so far, so far, now the FAU, we mentioned they beat Florida, but, you know, everybody else really hasn't hasn't pushed the league forward in a way that I would have hoped. You know, UAB lost to Toledo after they um, yeah. they were playing well in the first half, and then in the second half they got down, they came back, um, but then they just, you know, Toledo just went, I don't know, they just took off on them. They, 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 you talked about UAB getting up and down the court, but they were just uncontrolled up and down the court, and, and that, that really hurt them. Now, Toledo was somebody that was – Picked the win, you know, by Ken Palm. Picked to win the MAC conference, which we know is a very good basketball conference. There's been plenty of teams coming out of there that have made Sweet 16 runs, but still, Toledo is ranked, you know, way below UAB, and the MAC itself was ranked way below Conference USA. Yep. So having your premier team lose like that, uh, that's a little bit disappointing. We'll see where Toledo goes. You know, who knows? Maybe they turn out to be a you know top forty team, but still, UAB was somebody that everybody was like, "Hey, this could be a team that gets ranked during the season, possibly a top twenty-five team." They got one of the best backcourts in the country. Conference USA, if they're going to get two bids, it's really got to start in non-conference play. Like, yeah, it, we, it, we've got to pick up. You know, they go play West Virginia. That's somebody that you know that's a potential upset for UAB. They we need. You know, it's not – you don't want, really want to root for these schools sometimes, but, you know, if, if we're going to see two bids, we got to have those teams play well and win games. 
Yeah, I think that's a great point. Is that you need UAB to beat Toledo. You need UAB to run through that early non-conference schedule to give them some hype, some heft, so that way North Texas, when when and if they beat them, it gives us some of that shine, right? You know, just bounces off there. Um, that's it. So that was the same thing with North Texas, right? I mean, I'm sure UAB fans. I don't think anybody's listening to this show, but they were probably saying the <laughs> same thing. Like, why? Come on, we needed North Texas to go to was it Moraga, California, and give St. Mary's a tougher time than they did. Losing by thirty doesn't look good. Now, you know, not everybody saw that. Well, North Texas didn't play, or you know, because they didn't practice, because the, the whatever. But that means that at home against a Fresno State, you got to take care of business. Then they play whatever Paul Quinn is. I don't know what Paul Quinn is. I mean, Fresno State's a tough team. This is yeah. this is one of those ones where you don't want to end up as a Rothstein quote because it's a buy it's a buy in game for us. We mm-hmm. we we paid Fresno State to come play us. Yeah. So uh, you don't want to have the what is it the epitome of brutality losing a buy in game. We we don't want to have that happen on Saturday. We don't. Yeah. So I mean that's the other thing too. It's it's uh like a tailgate game that the program is advertised. They're like, come out here, come tailgate, uh, you know, pack the pit, just all this and that the other stuff. And I think it's good. You you got to do it. You gotta. It's good to put the focus on it. There's no football that day, right? So everybody that would you know that likes to go out for North Texas football stuff say, hey, do a little of that, but do it over here at the super pit, or you can probably tailgate in the same spot. You do. You just kind of <laughs> go this way. Could be a few snow flurries on that day too. Good times, yeah. Yeah, you get a nice little fire going, make you a little, you know, a little tailgate out there, and then you go inside and watch the game. I will say it was, um, it was nice watching the first game and seeing the student turnout. Yeah, it was great. Um, the meeting. It was, it, yeah. See, I'm old enough. <laughs> they did a good job. When uh, I think it's still labeled on the, uh, the like the for the when you walk in the entrance to the seating area, it's called the pit crew, right? Because that's what it used to be called. Now, it's the Mean Green Maniacs. That's fine. You want to take your own name and name you whatever. You name, pick your own name. It's fine. As long as you show up, I don't care what you name yourself. And they, yeah. and they showed up and they showed out. And hopefully they continue to do that. And and really, it's going to come down to the guys on the court that give them a reason to show up, right? You know. Yeah. So uh, just by way of comparison, because I think there's a lot of similarities between. So you know, I went to the St. Louis Memphis game up here, uh, and I talked about Chaffetz Arena. It's a very nice arena. It holds about the same. I think just a little bit less than the Super Pit. Uh, Super Pit's obviously older. This one's like downtown. One is painted for by one guy, a guy named Chaffetz. He was there. Uh, and then St. Louis doesn't have a basketball team. Like, you know, where like Dallas, Dallas area has three professional basketball teams, right? Like the, there's like the women's team there, right? There's, and then there's the Texas Legends or Dengu plays. And then there's the Dallas Mavericks, right? And then there's a lot of college basketball around there. But you have here, downtown St. Louis, right? There's Chaffetz Arena where you can go watch them play and even then for memphis big big program um it was not full it's not to full the capacity there was empty seats hither and thither out there and you know i was thinking about that like you don't beat ourselves up too much for not filling the pit for like a fresno state but i was wondering what is the ideal capacity for north texas i know they're talking about building a new arena whatever like that and i was thinking about how north texas went to st mary's and i think their arena is only like uh, where is it? The uh, I'm trying to think where they play. Uh, what is that building called? I can't remember. But it's it's tiny, right? It's like, I think the the capacity is um three. Th- uh, is it three thousand? Yeah, three thousand five hundred. 
And I was like, you know, that's, that might be the ideal spot for North Texas basketball. 3,000 people in one little arena get nice and loud. What do you think? Yeah, I would hope for maybe a little bit more. I would hope for five, 6,000. Just because, I mean, we've seen games get that close um, yeah. to those type of, like the Louisiana Tech game last year. So yeah. I'm with you, though. I, I, I would like to see something a little bit smaller, a little bit cozy. I tweeted out a, um, a picture of Fairfield's new arena, and, and you know, is beautiful almost like that field house look where you had, you know, the, the sun coming in a little bit and it just, you know, the lighting, it just looked nice. I don't know how many theirs was. It was probably maybe like 2000, 3000 seats. So yeah, I, I'm with you. I'd like to see them cut down on the seating arrangements, bring the ceiling down some, um, make it a hostile environment. <laughs> You know, see, I, I guess it's just like, you know, what are your, your expectations as far as your student section going to be? Yeah. If this program continues on the trend, does the student section continue to grow? Because I think that's, you want to cater to them first, make their section, you know, stick out wherever you put it. You know, like Texas, their new, their new Moody Arena. You know, it's not like a huge arena. It's and only students, a little bit bigger than ours. It's 10,763. Yeah, and the students are they're right there on the floor. Yeah. Right. So if you if we continue to get this this buy-in from the maniacs, I'd love to see something like that where the students are right there in action. Like they get to, you know, the the prime seating is is there for the students because that you need their buy-in first. And then to have, you know, the nice seats for um, some of the other people that come and buy season tickets. Really it's all about creating in a, a good game day environment and where because a lot of people don't like to go out to events anymore yeah definitely that's what i was gonna say so i mean yeah that's how you build it up right like at you know comparing shafitz because shafitz i'm looking at it right here is ten thousand. what i say 700 10,700 uh super pits 10,500 right they're just they're right there it's the same kind of deal but shafitz is better aligned for basketball like you have floor seats it looks like an nba arena like they just kind of cut it off at the top right instead of having eighteen thousand, they just stopped at the 10 has the you know luxury boxes all that other stuff you say you need it for the big time donors they don't really want to mess with the regular people they want to have to scoot through the aisle with their beers i mean they want it delivered to them they got people down there like taking orders and stuff they had the st louis cardinals manager down there like everybody to your attention the cardinals they had Bayer Leverkusen there because they play the, the new MLS team. There. <laughs> it's like the, the game in town. But they have the students all in one section right behind the basket, a big you know section there. And, but some students basically have floor seats, right, because they're the first guys there. Uh, the pit, super pit, you try to do the same thing, but you're, you're behind that, what you call it, because it looks like a hockey rink down there, the pit, right? I think the, the yeah. seating arrangement, once you get down to the floor seats, isn't so great. And I think that's where you're missing out on. You probably could get more capacity if you, like, re-architected that, maybe lift the floor or something. And I know they, they want to build a new one. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm happy to donate a little money or whatever like that. But I think, <laughs> I think, I don't think in Denton, given everything you say, right, the, the modern uh, the modern approach or, you know, like, feelings towards going out to do things, going to events, there's a lot fewer people that want to do that. And so... You know, like that's about three thousand people that I think have already chosen some to do something else. They're gonna watch some on Netflix. They're gonna play a game. So you cut that down, maybe seven thousand five hundred, right? It's a little small, little tighter. 
but you build in some luxury things and then you can boost them up. Like, hey, you want to come to a luxury thing in North Texas? That's fine. But we only got three of them or whatever the case. Whatever, whatever, whatever. And I think it's yeah. nice and intimate and it, it creates an environment for North Texas basketball that is just superior, right? I would agree with that. I mean, again, it's, it's where does the program go in the next few years should dictate, you know, how, how much we build, right? You know, if you continue to win at the level we have been and, and maybe you, you make a sweet 16 run or something deep in the tournament, you know, maybe then you're at that 7,500, 6,000 mark. If, if you don't, then, you know, you stay just kind of where we're at, you know, you're, you're, championship contender every year but you don't really you know you're not getting like nba talent in there you're not making yeah. the big runs but maybe it's like you said you know it's like three thousand is is a perfect number because you don't have to you know i mean you don't really have to sell it hard and then it, when you do get really good then it becomes extremely hard to buy a ticket into the game right yeah. it's a privilege to go watch north texas basketball so yeah. i mean there's different ways and Ren, we trust, right? If he's still around to make that decision. Yeah, I think I think you know I'd obviously love you know at, at Dean Smith Center where you get like twenty two thousand people in there, but North North Carolina basketball has been built up since you know for a long time 30, 40 years of you know talent and investment in basketball, and we're not there, right? We've had you know since the time I've been paying attention. You know, our, our, we topped out at a at a at an NCAA tournament win, right? It's not like we won a national championship or something like that. So, I think um, you can take what you can get, and you just you just realize you play for the, you build for the fan base you have, and a little bit of capacity for the future fan base, right? The one that you want, but you can get 10, 15 years out of a good arena at seventy five hundred, five thousand. Yeah, I think you can get a long way with that. And then you can kind of build something for the for the future. All right. So all that said, I don't want to talk too much about something that's not happening at the moment. <laughs> Nobody, nobody's digging up any ground right now. Um. So yeah, is Fresno State, San Jose State. There's Paul Quinn in there, but they're unran. You know that should be a win. Um, Nebraska, Omaha, UT Arlington, and then uh, was it Grand Canyon? There's like a tournament in there, right? UMass. That's a noticeable one. Then um, then we start conference play right before Christmas, play UTSA, uh, which is a little bit different because I think last year we started it in January. I know it was like the start of the conference play. Yeah, it was like right New Year's, like yeah. right after or, or right before. So but uh, I think the San Jose one, isn't that the start of like the Bahamas yeah, tournament? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's uh, a lot of good good mid-major teams in there, Vermont, who played St. Mary's. I think Oakland's in there. There's a couple of other good ones. So it's going to be – a, that's possibly when we get Ruben back. Um, hopefully by then we'll have Tyler Perry back. So that'll be a good barometer for, for where the team is. This whole college basketball, like for North Texas and for everybody, is a tough year, right? Not only is like the transfer portal kind of messing with everybody's, you know, understanding of what's good or what does good look like because, you know, the teams are gelling with all these new players. Lower level teams are getting a guy that can change the game a little bit. I, I, I say I went to the St. Louis game. I got season tickets here, so I'll, I'll mention them a lot. Um, Evansville. I was like, I didn't even know where University of Evansville was. They got a couple guys <laughs> that transferred in, and they gave St. Louis a hard time, right, to start the game. And you know, I was looking at the roster, like, oh, that guy's from UNLV. This guy's from whatever. 
they just got good all of a sudden, right? There's a lot of a lot of newfound parody, parody, uh, parity, you know. They're from Indiana, right? Uh, no, that one's from Illinois. That one's old. I don't know. Okay. It, no, it might be Indiana. You're right. You're right. I think you're right. Um, the Purple Aces. That's what they're called. Um, so I, that's weird, right? That's that's the weird part about cops. And I was looking at the, you know, like you said, the the Bahamas thing, um, November twenty fifth. You know, it starts November twentieth, right? The World Cup. <laughs> Everybody, lots of people yeah. will be paying attention to the Nobody's World Cup. Nobody's gonna be paying attention. <laughs> Zero people. <laughs> that billion dollar uh, uh, event. So the World Cup's going on for a month. You also have uh, November. You know, NFL football, right? You know, there's Christmas. There's uh, Thanksgiving Day football. That stuff. Rivalry weekend around that time for college football, and then uh, you know the NBA is still playing right now. Lots of stuff is happening. You got hockey for people that care about hockey. Lots <laughs> of stuff happening right now, and in college basketball is still trying to sneak in there. Like, hey, look at us! Look at me! Remember me? But I think the the World Cup Dude, moving, getting in there is it's uh it's kind of crazy. I have you know being a college basketball fan, a big one. I love Feast Week. And like the week of Thanksgiving basketball, it's just like there's so many good matchups. And we yeah. saw them already, you know, Michigan State and Kentucky and Kansas and Duke. And right now, Gonzaga and Texas. And this weekend, Gonzaga and Kentucky. There's just, there's a really, there's a ton of, of good games. And you were mentioning about the, the college basketball landscape. And, you know, we've, it's been interesting so far because it, it hasn't like played out. I think like a lot of people had thought it would. You thought like these these high major programs got good transfers in, or you know what you said, what you thought, what they thought were good players from lower schools, um, but they're struggling then against these other schools who are not. I mean, not good. You know, <laughs> you've had I think what like two sub three hundred Ken Palm teams that have won games. There's been something where. I think it's like 11 or 12 games where the team playing had a 90% chance to win and they lost those type of games. <laughs> and so is this a trend that continues throughout the season or, or is there a point where, you know, it, it evens out and then the teams, you know, like we've, we mentioned offline about, you know, when exactly do they gel? Is, is that it? Is that a problem? Because, you know, like these bad teams, they're getting new guys too, and and they have to gel. But how are they gelling faster than some of these these higher major programs? So where, you know, it's it like you said, it's a weird time, um, but it's a fun time because it's good to see some parity. Yeah, I, I think the the answer to that, in case you're wondering out there, is that like say we're we're a program, just you know, University of Nowhere, middle of Nowheresville, and we get this transfer in, and you got some talent. I think it's a little bit, everybody's used to kind of being practical in that one, and they just say, all right, well, this is our new guy, and he can score. He's going to be our scorer. And then we just kind of do what we do, and he's going to be a scorer. It's a little easier to adjust to that where it's very clear. And maybe not so much for a team that had an established hierarchy or an established culture, and they already won some things, and then you're like, okay, I don't know. You know, like, it's good. like North yeah, Texas I, playing I mean, defense and, and, then, and then super efficient off, but then also we, we it, we're a little different because we had injuries, but... How, you know, um, it, it's not just recruiting, right? It's roster management and how yeah. you build your roster and your team. Whether you have a, a lot of incoming freshmen, are you going to go out and get that? You have the ability, let's say, to go out and get a high, 
you know, a really good transfer. Do you do that? I mean, is that the same thing as bringing in the freshman? I mean, like, it's just like, you know, how do you, how do you play that as, as a head coach? And so I think the, these coaches who they're having the transition and trying to put these, these teams together and, and McCaslin to his, you know, to his credit has done something that, you know, I, I wasn't used to seeing when, when growing up for mid majors, it was always these, these dudes who had played together for four or five years that, yeah. that knew each other that were really good. They get in the tournament and, you know, that's what it was. They, they all had this connection and they, and they knew what they were doing. When McCasson came here, it's been like every single year, there's been a lot of turnover within his program, but he's continued to win. So if you're looking for that, like that, you know, sunshine, that ray of hope is that this man has done this before. um, And, and he has continued to win and, and his teams have all figured it out at one point in the season, whether it was his first year when they won the CBI, the second year, maybe not really. They didn't really figure that one out. But then you had, you know, the one that there's also a lot the COVID of COVID year. Second year. Yeah, there was, yeah. Yeah. You know, the COVID year where they, they made their run after they, you could maybe point towards the COVID year being like this year where, you know, there was a lot of struggles early. I think the only difference is that, they were scoring points and the games were closer, um, you know, losing, we, there was no like 30 point losses out there. So again, I just overarching point, you know, coach McCaslin knows how to build the team and a roster. And so I, I trust the people that he brought in to fit. I don't think McCaslin is the type of coach that goes out there to just, I'm going to grab this guy, grab this guy, grab this guy. Like, no, that that's Seth Latrell. He just grabs whatever he, he wants to grab. <laughs> For, well, for me, I think McCaslin is a guy that has a plan and a purpose in building his roster. I will say that uh, I heard this from more than one guy, right? Uh, um, again, not that I'm, like I am hear all this stuff, but people talk to me sometimes. Uh, so Charlotte last year, they had a couple dudes, like I think was, I think it was that trap kid, Clyde, something like that. He played at Clemson. And, I mean, he was good. You can see he's talented. He, you know, he has uh, a lot of athletic ability. Um, and... It looked like he was, you know, playing for himself out there, and like you kind of, yeah, I mentioned that to some somebody who knows Charlotte basketball better, and they're like, "A dude is a cancer in a locker room. It's it's terrible." <laughs> and and you know, again, Clemson transfer, he comes in on paper that looks like, well, this guy's gonna come in, he's gonna do so much, he, you know, this that and the other, but he hurt them because nobody liked to play with him, and he was you know, said a locker room cancer there, so. That's a big thing, right? That there, it's it's always a big risk to take somebody else into your program and basically into your home, right? And you're asking them to gel with everybody else and to do what you want, and you know you can you can vet them as much as you want or, or you can, but you don't know how they'll deal with living in Denton, right? <laughs> and, and playing with some of these other guys. Uh, you know, you asked the dude that played in New Hampshire to come play with a dude that played at. Uh, was it St. Mary, whatever that was, right? University, I think sort of was. Um, what's You're name? talking about Huntsbury? Yeah. And then, it was you know, like the lower division. Yeah, I can't remember what it was called. Uh, yeah, but y- you get my point, right? It, that's always tough, and then you're asking him to do some things on plays. I think you're right. Grant McGaslin has done a great job of doing that, building this program, setting a culture, setting a tone, all that good stuff. And so I'm not really worried about what's happening right now. I think you definitely need good players, and you, that means you definitely need 
Tyler Perry, Ruben Jones come back. Tyler Perry first, and then Ruben Jones uh, second, just because you need somebody to score right now. It looks like they're having a tough time scoring. They're yeah, I mean, it's like it's like if North Texas in football was trying to score without, you know, with their third-string quarterback, yeah. like running the offense. Yeah. That's, that's essentially – you don't have your first two quarterbacks out there to make things happen. And so it's going to be difficult to score. But it doesn't – it's not an excuse for guys missing the shots that they have and, and the flow overall, right? It, it just it, – it hasn't been good. And so you just you just wonder, right? You know, is this going to be a pattern even if we get the guys back? Or, I mean, does it go to being, you know, what we what we think it could be? Yeah, I think that's the early season thing to watch right now. That's like the storyline. They couldn't score. Maybe they will score. There's a lot of time. I mean, it's Wednesday, the 16th, as we're recording this. They play Saturday, the 19th. So you got at least two days to learn how to shoot. You know, I think. Well, really, it's like, okay, so Martinez played well last week. Now I want to see Edie hit some shots. Like, I think yeah. if Edie starts hitting some, some threes, you know, whether or not Tyler Perry plays, you know, it, it's irrelevant to me. If Edie is hitting shots and Martinez, I will feel a lot, a lot better about where they're headed. Uh, so we only scored what three points in the first four? I mean, the first ten minutes of the game <laughs> against uh, St. Mary's. Uh, I think we've improved on that. That'll be good. What do you say? <laughs> don't, don't just score three points. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, again, the thing like that that I. And looking for is guys to be confident in their game, yeah. right? It's you know when you have an open, and this is what McCaslin had, had talked about. It's like, hey, we're going to be a faster paced team. We're going to take shots earlier on the shot clock. But what you saw against you know in these first two games where guys would have a good quality open look early in the shot clock and they wouldn't take it. Yeah. Like, and then it just, it felt uncomfortable. They're like, okay, now what do I do? Like, yeah. okay, I had the shot. I didn't take it. Okay, here, you take it. And I don't want the ball anymore. Like, it's so, I, I just want to see guys feel comfortable. See, I think, thing. that's the thing. I think when you don't have, because that happens, right? A lot of times guys go to a new team and they start, they play, they're very deferential. You know, they don't want to make any waves or whatever. Like, uh, you know, Tyler Perry, will take an open shot. He'll shoot the shot, right? Because he knows that's his role. I'm the shooter. I'm the scorer. That's what I do. Um, and so I think without that, it, it kind of leaves everybody else in a weird spot. They got three new dudes that are on the team. And I think, you know, I said, they've all scored somewhere else, but they all knew their role. Like what, what kind of shots are expected to take? Uh, what shots will get to them in the offense? So they knew, right, we're running this play. I know I always get this corner three after we do this. And, you know, like you were saying maybe those passes weren't being made. And so shots guys expected to get were not getting them. And then shots they weren't expected to get, they were getting them. And it took them a little bit out of rhythm. And so just making everybody uncomfortable. So I, I could see that happening. Little things like that could just change everything, right? Just like an attitude thing. So, you know, I was joking about the practice during the week, but it could be just a few more little scrimmages help them out. And, like, you know what? This dude never passes when I'm here. Or he, or he, he figured out that I'm open in a corner now. And so I, I finally can get the shot that I'm expecting to get. And that could, that could be the thing. Now Edie's shooting with rhythm. Martinez is shooting with rhythm. That kind of stuff. And then, and then you know, the, the offense is unleashed. You know. 
Um, all right, so we're we're on the last minute of the show, and I just so I just want to say, yeah, I already bought my ticket down to San Antonio for the December second, um, uh, college, college uh, football championship game, <laughs> the, um, the conference USA championship game in San Antonio that will be played in San Antonio, and I'm hoping and I'm expecting that North Texas will be in that game. Uh, will I see Mr. Greg? in San Antonio there for that one. I don't know. I don't know. It's my, my birthday weekend. So, um, sounds like you want to, I will buy you a Shirley temple <laughs> on the <laughs> river walk. <laughs> uh, it's uh, tempting. It's a, yeah. it's a tempting offer. And you know, like, you know, if I went to a game, my kids would want to go to a game. And here's the thing. Like I, I'd love to take them to the North Texas game. I don't want them to be around UTSA fans. Like I just don't. Like I just. <laughs> oh, man. Well, so I I covered the championship game. I covered two games, right, uh, in San Antonio, right. So I was in the dome. It was super loud for that UAB game, and again, they were pretty say family unfriendly to the UAB players as they were walking out. And they won the game, and then they were it's very similar to the Western Kentucky one, uh, people there. But there was it was there were no North Texas. I mean, no uh, opponents. There was no Western Kentucky people there. I'd like to see a good turnout, and so the, uh, that's why I'm encouraging everybody to go out there. You included, because I know you're in South Texas. You're down. You're just right there, short little drive yeah. away. Just tell everybody, hey, look, um, no emergencies this weekend. All right, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know about short drive. I do. I'm hoping to like catch a, a high school game too that weekend. Uh, we have a lot of the state, uh, not semifinals, but regional finals in high school football. Yeah, I don't accept What's that. The, I think if uh, if I'm anywhere <laughs> in the state. And then my alma mater is playing in a championship game. I'm there. I'm gonna be yeah, there. I'm no, gonna find a way. I know. So like, I'm gonna fly look. across this great, you know, country of ours to San Antonio to go down there. Uh, here's the thing, folks. So if you're if you're gonna make it down there, let me know. Uh, maybe we'll, I'm gonna get down there Thursday. I'm gonna take off Friday. So maybe we can all meet up somewhere. Maybe there's probably gonna be like a, a official designated whatever. I have to stop by those. But we'll maybe stop meet up before and maybe after. After for some celebrations, some obnoxious celebration on the Riverwalk, or some obnoxious commiseration on the Riverwalk. Either way, are you are be good. you bringing the whole family? No, it's going to be me this time. The family's not going to make. It. I I uh, we so ran the numbers, and then uh, you know, like I say, I don't think we get, it's not going to work if we take all these people. And I was like, you're right. We got too many kids. The problem you have family is great. Everybody snuggles. You know, you just have so many kids. Isn't it great? But then it's expensive to move them from here to there, you know? <laughs> also takes no, no, I, believe me, I, I know, too. But it's just the thing, like, yeah. again, my family is going to want to go. And do I want my two little kids to be around UTSA fans? Like, that just, I, I can't, no, I can't do it yeah. to them. Like, I, I don't want them to have bad experiences going to games. And the way that, like, people are so, they're just, everybody's mean nowadays, right? Like, it, you bit. just can't go watch a game. Somebody's got to say, something to you because they're a North Texas fan. And then I've got to explain to my five-year-old daughter why this obnoxious UTSA fan was calling me a mean name, right? I'll just say, well, you know, because he lives in San Antonio and he's a UTSA (laughs) fan. He just hates the world, and, you know, that's what's wrong with him. See, I I don't want to have to have that conversation. I I will say that I've taken my kids to a few North Texas v. UT San Antonio games without incident, right? We were there babies and you know it was, it was all fine i think there are certain parts of the stadium they can get a little more rowdy than others 
But around the visitor section, everybody's pretty pretty calm. Uh, at least, like I said, in my experience. Um, you know, like I said the, the part where, like I said, the UAB players are running through the tunnel. Those people were leaning over and you know, saying rowdy things to them. But you know, that, that they they pick those spots and they drink in those spots, so that way they can do that. Kind of thing. Uh, but yeah, you know, I encourage you to come out there. We're gonna, we'll have a good time. Um, and then, you know, maybe maybe it means just wait till your kids a little older, just leave them at home. You can bring them to San Antonio, and you just come to the game or buy them seats way up in the top where they you couldn't hear. A bad word way up there anyway, you know what I mean? <laughs> I know, they, they want to go to the Browns game when they play here in Houston, and I'm like, eh, <laughs> that one might be also kind of bad. <laughs> yeah, I mean, again, maybe you just need a splurge for the luxury box, right? You can, nobody can hear nothing in there, right? <laughs> mm, yeah, no. So, uh, all right, that that's happening. Uh, that's That weekend, North Texas will also play uh, Nebraska-Omaha, in case you're wondering. Saturday, December 3rd. Omaha. I'd love for the conference championship games to be on a Saturday. I think it makes it difficult to travel to those games on a Friday. Fortunately, I can make it work. Um, but, you know, like I said, for our family, it meant that, like, my wife and my kids are not going to be able to go because it's just not so easy. Like, how are we going to all go? The flights are a little difficult to get to. It's like, am I going to fly? Like, if I want a nonstop flight from where I am, it's like the middle of the night or the middle of the day. And then, you know, I, my kids are just young enough where at least one of them is going to That'd be, that'd be nap time, maybe. But if it was like an hour later, and so it's like hard to just move all the things in the right way. If it's like, if it was like a Saturday, I could travel on a Friday, you know, get there, you know, kind of do the Saturday and then leave the Sunday, and just a little bit easier, just a little Come bit. On, you don't have the family minivan ready to go. Uh, not for no, not for no eighteen-hour drive, man. No thanks. No, we we did one of those before. I think it's like fourteen. It's just right on the edge of, uh, you know, like I'm going to just yell at everybody. I mean, I'm going to say mean <laughs> things. <laughs> but I hear you eat that apple, you know, don't make me come back there. Uh, all right. So, ladies and gentlemen, thanks for listening to the Mingra Nation podcast. Uh, do not forget that you can uh, you can become a member. It helps us do these kinds of things. So, you know, hosting for the show and all the kinds of things there are, you know, cost me money. And when North Texas is more popular, it costs me more money. Now, that's all fine. I'm happy to be a benefactor of my own hobby. But uh, you just make it a little easier, right? When it comes down to it, and I'm doing a budget, I'm like, man, we got to pay for that Netflix. Uh, <laughs> we got to pay for this Amazon because my wife, what else What else would she do with herself if she's not ordering $7,000 worth of things of, uh, per day? You know what I mean? <laughs> I came home. But to get some groceries, uh, you know, and then there was like a giant box on her door. I was like, what is this? You know, Yahoo had an article today. The new middle class is being a millionaire. So, <laughs> well, I mean. Well, put me in the middle class, folks, you know. Uh, <laughs> what? Put me in the middle class, folks. Um, yeah, so, anyway, my, my point on that is you help you help keep it going by doing that. Also, uh, we get a little little mini clout. So the the university reached out to me. And they're like, "Hey, be Green Nation. Do you want to help us sell tickets?" I was like, "I'll help you sell tickets." They're like, it's like a competition. You know, if you use this link, they use your link. Whoever wins will get like you know a high five. I was like, "We don't really need high five. We're good. We'll do it <laughs> for you, just because we you know we like like to do our part." So if you go, it's the links on the site. It's a Mingry Nation. You can find it on Twitter. I retweeted like you know once. Every couple of days, I don't want to spam y'all. But you can go to the site, mingreennation.com. It's the big one there, the big, uh, what is it, Mean Green and Proud of it or whatever. You can click that. 
that'll get you $10 off uh, seats in one of two sections. Enjoy. I know at least one person said, yeah, I clicked the link. I did it. Um, so mm. go, yeah, yeah, thanks for that. Um, and said, I, I think uh, I saw GoMingGreen.com is also doing it. I was like, I don't know if you know that MingreenNation.com is a very niche site, guys. It's not, <laughs> we're, we're not getting thousands of people on there to, to, to jump on there to be like, hey, fire Seth Luttrell, and then they leave. It's not what we do here at MingreenNation.com. Maybe I'll go buy a ticket, but I just won't go to the game, but I'll just support you. So you Yeah, know. all right. Well, sweet. I appreciate that. Um, I'm going to hold you to it. <laughs> I'm going to ask for your credit card statements <laughs> in a, a month. Yeah, I didn't no, really no. bought that ticket. <laughs> uh, yeah, all right. So that that's it, folks. Um, we'll do some more basketball talk as we get deeper into basketball. Uh, you know, this is this is a basketball podcast. Uh, we do the the regular ones weekly with uh, Mr. Aldo on you know like Sundays. I don't know if we're pa- uh, planning for that one because it's the uh, the bye week, the second bye week. But we can talk about rice. We plan. You got any hot sports opinions about rice? Me? Rice, yeah. No. No. I tell you right now, I think their secondaries. Uh, Charlotte smoked them. West Kentucky smoked them. I think Jair Shorter, if he can catch, it's always a it's always a thing with that guy. If he can catch. Um, I think he should eat that day. Damian Ward Jr., that dude can catch. Like He's, he's a good receiver. Uh, but there you go. Ladies and gentlemen, we're done. Go Green.